Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So there are a lot of complicated and complex things in life. I'm going to name a few of them. Let's see if I, can, if I can hit any that are complicated or complex to you. Politics. I didn't get any help on the first service either. What's wrong? Y'all know, y'all know politics is complicated, right? Okay, so if that one won't work, I know this one will work. I got to spend three weeks in my junior summer of college in London, and uh, they play this sport called cricket. And cricket is extremely complicated. After, after I, I was there, actually I was there for almost a month and it was the only thing on TV and I tried to watch it and I still don't understand anything about it except they're trying to knock sticks down or keep them from being knocked down. I don't know. Something happens with sticks. That's all I know. I can't remember anything else. Here's another complex one. I need you to just stop for a moment and define the word the. The, the, define that word. Just go ahead, right amongst yourselves, define the word the. It's, it's complicated, it's complex. The human brain is extremely complicated. Here's the best one of all, cats. Cats are complicated. Uh, dogs are simple. Cats are complicated. I didn't say they were bad, although I probably would, but they are complicated. They're complex, and that's the problem. See, faith was never supposed to be complicated. The, the, the dilemma is, is that as uh, humans, as uh, men and women, we tend to make things more difficult than they're supposed to be. Faith was never supposed to be complicated. It was supposed to be easily understood. God the Father made it extremely easy to understand, and yet man gets in the mix, and we want to make it so difficult and so complex and so, so unbelievably hard to understand until Jesus shows up on the scene, and Jesus decides that what he will do is he will simplify everything and make it as easy as possible for us to understand. And so last week I said that as we begin this uh, three weeks of taking this time, to, uh, or four weeks of taking time to simplify everything and get back to the basics and get back to what really matters, last week I challenged you and said the, the, the simple thing is this, we must be disciples. That's the simple, that's the ground floor level, that's the bottom line, that's, that's, that's brass tacks, that's getting back to it. We've got to be disciples. And then I said, if we're going to be disciples, we must obey. That's what determines whether we're disciples or not. We must obey, right? So then I have a question to ask you. If we are to obey as disciples, then this is my question. What are we supposed to obey? How are we supposed to obey? See, I've come to this conclusion that if we want to be disciples, then we have a mandate on our lives that we are not only supposed to follow Christ and try to be like Him, we must also figure out what the first disciples did and try to be like them, right? There's a local church in town that uh, in the last few years they've... um, They've come up with a definition of disciple. It's probably one of the best I've ever heard. It may be the most succinct, the most simple, and I, but it's spot on. They say this. They say, a disciple is a fully devoted follower of Christ. That is a great definition of a disciple. A fully devoted follower of Christ. Okay, so I got it. I agree. I think they're right. Okay, but here's my question. Fully devoted to what? 
If I'm going, if I want to be a disciple and a disciple is a fully devoted follower of Christ, what am I fully devoted to? Okay, so, so fortunately, we're told, we're told in Scripture. I want you to take your Bible, uh, whether it's a big thick one or it's on your phone, I, I want you to scroll to this passage of Scripture. We've got to do that now. You've got to scroll to your Scripture, right? Um, Acts chapter 2, we're going to, it tells us exactly what we must be devoted to. Acts chapter 2, we're going to begin to read and we're going to spend the next three weeks in these passages. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, reading down through verse 47, says this, they devoted, there it is, see, black and white it tells us, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It clearly tells us what they were devoted to. The very first thing is it says this. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Man, I wished I could have been in those sessions. I wished I could have heard. I wished I could get some kind of recorded understanding of what the apostles were teaching. I wish somebody would have written down everything the apostles were saying so we'd have a copy of it that we could read for ourselves and get divine understanding of what the apostles were teaching. I so wish somebody would have journaled and chronicled what was being taught Tongue-in-cheek, because the reality is is that it was recorded, and it was written down, and it was chronicled. We call it Scripture. They wrote down what the apostles were saying, and it is for us so that we can find out what they were talking about, what they were learning. So simply stated then, the disciples were devoted to the study of Scripture. That's what they devoted themselves to. They spent time. They made, they, 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 they invested time into understanding, to studying the word. So Paul comes along and instructs not only, uh, his disciple. He's talking to his disciple Timothy in the passage that I'm going to read to you. He's talking to his disciple, but in, in, in the conclusion we reached by reading forward, we also understand he's talking to us. And he says very plainly in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15, he says this, study. Okay, yeah, that's big. I see. This is not a glamorous message. This is supposed to be simple. Study and do your best to present yourselves to God approved, uh, to, 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 to present yourself to God approved, a workman who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. So the early disciples and then Paul comes along and gives us instructions that this is what we have to do. Disciples. Study. So I don't know what happened. I don't know if maybe you had like a really bad uh, experience at school or maybe maybe you graduated like thank the Lordy instead of, you know, uh, come Lordy and all that kind of stuff. And you just barely squeaked by and you made this uh, like New Year's resolution after you graduated from high school just barely or maybe from college and you read all these books and you made this new resolution in your own mind. Once I finish reading these books, I'll never read another book in all my life. And you've been faithful to hold up on that resolution because you're tired of studying 
and you don't like to study, and I'm never going to study again. Right? The, the dilemma is, is that, simply put, if you're going to be a disciple, you've got to study. I'm convinced that our challenge is is that uh, in this day and age, we have substituted listening for learning. I want you to notice that uh, when Paul's talking to Timothy, he doesn't say listen to the Word to grow in ability to handle the Word. He, I, I, listen, I'm not discounting the listening to God's Word. I'm not discounting coming to services like this, hearing people uh, handle the Word. I'm not discounting any of that. If, if I was discounting that, then let's put the microphone down and go home because we need this. But, but what I'm saying to you is this, is we cannot substitute listening for our own study. I think we, we uh, too many of us, we only want to learn from somebody else's work. I, I think we have this tendency that we become very lazy and we, we don't want to study. We want everybody else to study for us. And it produces a laziness in us and we expect to be spoon-fed and, and we don't, according to Paul, we don't know how to accurately handle the truth because we don't know the word. Uh, if you'll remember, the, uh, here, here's the dilemma. I think the enemy is just an old dog with no new tricks. He uses the same tricks he's always used. The first trick he ever uses is he shows up in the garden and he approaches Eve and he asks this question, is that what God really said to you? He's questioning God's word. What did God really say? And you know the rest of the story because she didn't know exactly what God had said and she didn't have an accurate understanding of what God actually said. It causes her to find herself in failure and sin and destruction simply because she doesn't know the word. And that leads us to this statement. uh, If we don't study, we don't know. Hosea chapter 4 is a passage of Scripture that we often read, but I think Hosea chapter 4, the, the indictment is this, is that as we have laid down the, the, the desire and the practice and the discipline of study, we actually become fulfill, we fulfill the prophecy of Hosea chapter 4 when he says, my people will perish for lack of knowledge. What's he talking about? We don't have any knowledge of God's Word, so we fail, we perish, we're destroyed because we don't know His Word. We have no knowledge. Um, I've been told that, uh, in Yosemite and in Yellowstone Park, that there are signs placed there that say say this. They, it says, don't feed the bears. That, those signs are there. And, and when we pull into a park or a place like that and we see a sign like that, we think that that sign is there to protect us. Like, don't feed the bears because they may mistake you for lunch and you'll be medium rare and perfect temperature and they will take you for lunch, right? So don't feed the bear. But the truth is, is that the signs are there not to protect the people. The signs are there to protect the bears. Because did you know that every year that the rangers have to go and bury the bodies of bears, carcasses of bears that have become so dependent upon tourists feeding them that they no longer want to go hunt for themselves? And although they were, they were created and formed to, go, to hunt and provide for themselves, they become totally dependent on tourists to walk through and give them easy snacks. So now they grow lazy and fat. And then when the tourists quit coming because the weather gets bad and they don't want to go up there when it's freezing, now the bears die. I wonder how many of us have become so lazy in our study habits that now we're dependent upon preachers and uh, TV preachers and radio preachers and podcast preachers and teachers all over the place to spoon feed us and do all the digging for us until we starve to death spiritually simply because we don't study. Disciples study. I I came across a um, 
a survey recently. It was done last year by Lifeway, and they were um, trying to do some research on the study habits of Americans with regards to God's Word. And this is what they found out. They, they found out that most Americans don't know firsthand the overall story of the Bible because they rarely pick it up. In fact, one of the researchers, they asked him some questions, and he was quoted, and he said this. He said, this is us, by the way. He said, even among worship attendees, less than half read their Bible daily. He goes on and he says, the only time most Americans hear from the Bible is when someone else is reading it. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, Americans treat reading the Bible a little bit like exercise. They know it's important and helpful, but they don't do it. Then he makes this statement. He says, Americans are extremely fond of the Bible, but they don't read it. We don't study. The early disciples studied. So um, we, we, we could ask this question. If disciples are supposed to study, my question then is why? And we could get really complex and complicated and come up with a whole bunch of different reasons. Like, you need to read the Bible because it provides light. You need to read the Bible because it, it, it shows you what's right. We can make them rhyme, too. Uh, we, we, you need to read the Bible because there's provision. You need to read the Bible for, because there's transformation. You need to read all this stuff, healing, all this stuff. And we get all complicated and complex but, uh, and, and eloquent. But, but let me just say it very simply this morning. Simple reasons. Two very simple reasons that as disciples, we must study. The first one is this, is as we study, it shows us Him. John says in his gospel, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, right? So in other words, John is literally saying that Jesus, he's talking about Jesus, Jesus was the embodiment of the Word, in flesh and bone, Jesus was the Word. So Jesus is the Word. And so what happens is this. As we study the written Word, we gain a clear revelation of the Word. So we said last week that a disciple would follow a rabbi not just to hear him teach, but a, a disciple would follow a rabbi to learn the character and the nature of the rabbi they were following. And so what I want to say to you this morning it is, is as we read the Word that we learn the character of the one that we are trying to follow. In fact, I want to say it like this. If we don't study the Word, then we can't really know the Word. Uh, I told you last week that uh, feelings are liars. Uh, feelings and faith have very little to do with each other. And if you depend upon your feelings, they will lie to you. I also need to inform you that experience can be a liar too. Just because you've experienced something doesn't mean it's true. Right? Somebody can lead you down an experience that's not even real. Okay, it's quiet up in here. Okay, so... so, so what happens then is uh, I think too many of us trust liars about the revelation of who Jesus really is. I, if all I do is I listen to other people talk about Jesus and I don't study his word for myself, then I, I can come to conclusions about Jesus that aren't even true. So i got to get into his word. We meet him in his word. It is his word that gives us a reliable and clear picture of who he really is. So, um, 
if we're not careful, we often allow others to paint a picture of him rather than seeing the picture that he drew of himself. I did it like this this morning. I can ask J.C. to tell me about Tari, and I can trust what J.C. tells me about Tari, except maybe J.C.'s wrong. Or I can go to Tari and ask Tari about Tari. And then I have a decision to make. I can believe everything that J.C.'s told me about Tari, or I can go to the source himself and say, hey, tell me about yourself. Which one should I trust? The source. So why would I depend on what everybody else tells me about Jesus when I have the capacity and the opportunity to go into his word and find out what Jesus said about Jesus and what the word said about the word? And on average, the Amer- every American average has three Bibles in their home. And most of you now have 150 Bibles on your phone or on your iPad. It's not that we don't have access to his word. It's just that we have simply quit studying his word. So now we have to rely on somebody else telling us, drawing us a picture of what Jesus looked like when we have the capacity to go see the picture he drew of himself. The Bible says that his sheep will know his voice, but if you don't know how he talks, you won't know his voice. It is as you read his word that you learn his tone. It's as you read his word that you you learn his truth. It's as you read his word that you get a revelation of what Jesus is actually saying so that when he speaks to you, you won't be turned to some other voice. You won't have lack of discernment and not know who's saying what's right. You will be able to Tune in to his voice as you learn his word. His word. Too many of us claim to be devoted to Jesus, but we're totally undevoted to his word. I'm convinced of this. I've come to this conclusion that the disciples became disciples because they were daily saturated in his word. As they became daily saturated in his word, it disciplined them and it discipled them. And they become the disciples that we know of today simply because every day they devoted themselves to the word. The, the, the second thing, the, the second reason, simple reason that I think that we have need of to, to study. Why, why do I need to study? Just to get a picture of him? No, there's one other reason. There's a simple reason. As we study, it shows us not only him, it shows us us. As we open the Word and we begin to read it, we get a clear picture of Him, but we also get a clear picture of us. Well, that's kind of goofy. I mean, it's just like a book. It's just like black and white and sometimes red. I mean, it's just like we're just reading a book. It's like a history book, all right? It's like like a biography, right? It's like, it's just like, whatever. Some even say it's a fiction. It's just a book. Really? Let's see what the Word says about the Word. Because in Hebrews chapter 4, it says this, in verse 12, it says this, For the Word of God is alive and active, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And listen to what it does. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. That means as we read it, as I read the Word, check this out, the Word is reading me. Come on now. When I open the book and I begin to dig and I begin to study, I get a revelation of him. But because it's alive and active, it also shines the spotlight on me and it reads me and it shows me stuff in my own life that I shouldn't be doing. It helps me clean up. It helps me conform to the character of Christ. It reads me. 
it reads me. If I don't know his word, then how do I know what the standard is for righteousness? How do I know what the standard is for correctness? How do I know the standard for holiness if I don't know his word? So as I read his word, it reads me and it points out stuff in my life that I don't need to be involved in. See, um, have you ever met anybody that's not very self-aware? You know, those kind of people are like they're bitter and they don't know it. Or they're, they're hateful and they don't know it. Or they're, they're brash and they don't know it. Or they're mouthy and they don't know it. That, that's all of us without the Word of God. It is the Word of God that actively opens us up. It cuts aside the attitudes and the, the, the issues of our heart. And it reveals who we really are. It's alive. It points out things that I need to address in order for us to change. And it cleans me up and helps me become like the one I'm reading about. Scripture, there, there's, a, there's a phrase in Scripture, because, see, in, in Pentecostal settings, we don't talk much about this. We talk about being washed in the blood, which freaks some people out. But they're like, what? What are you talking about? But washing the blood, it's all about salvation. You know, Jesus washes our sins away with his blood. But, but Scripture talks about the fact that there's also this thing called, called being washed in the Word. And I don't know what your life is like, but this is my life. When I, when I go through my life and I, I spend some time around other people and what they say sticks to me and what they think sticks to me and watch uh, entertainment, it sticks to me. I've been saved. I've been washed in the blood. But I need to daily be washed by His Word. It's His Word that washes all that stuff off of me. It's alive. How many times have you been reading His Word when illumination takes place? And Scripture suddenly addresses you. It shows us us. I'll never forget my favorite illustration of that is when I was uh, a junior at Southwestern. uh, Actually, I think I was a sophomore at Southwestern. Uh, I was enrolled in Old Testament. And and believe it or not, in this Old Testament class, you actually had to read the Old Testament. Not every Old Testament class do you have to do that, but we had to read. In fact, on our final, for the final exam, we had a test, don't get me wrong, but we also, at the bottom of the test, our teacher told us, when you get to the last part of your test, you're going to have to sign a statement. You're going to have to sign it and swear by it that you actually read the Old Testament from start to finish by the time you took the final test. And so the night before the test, I was speed reading and I was just going through it, man. I was getting it. I, was, I mean, I was, I was through Leviticus and into Lamentations and into Deuteronomy, and I was going to the, 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 and, 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 and then all of a sudden, I'm struggling, and, I, and I'm just blowing through it, man, so I can sign it and be honest. I read it, I read it, and I come into Psalms. I'm cruising. It's like midnight, and I got a few hours left, and I'm cruising, and I'm thinking, man, Psalms are easy. I'll just get through these quick. <laughs> and I hit... Chapter 34. And when I hit verse 18, I had to push the word back and realize that his word is alive. Because all of a sudden, out of a broken heart and a broken spirit, the word comes alive. And Psalm 34, 18 says, God is close to those that are crushed. God is close to those that are broken hearted and crushed in spirit. And even when I was speed reading just to get the grade. The word is alive. And it addressed me. We need to read scripture because it addresses us and it shows us us. In fact, Paul goes on in 2 Timothy and listen to what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He says this, 
all Scripture is God-breathed. And then he says, this is what it's good for. It's good for teaching. It's good for rebuking. How many of you have ever been rebuked by the Word of God? I mean, there are days I just need to be buked. There are other days I need to be rebuked, right? And then there's some, some days, Julie says, I need to be re-rebuked, all right? Uh, so, so he says, Scripture is good for that. Then he says, it's also good for correcting. But I want you to catch what he says here. He says this. He says, and training in righteousness. Can I tell you this morning that, that we must be trained in righteousness because if we're not trained in righteousness by His Word, we will become trained in religion and in rules. You can come here week after week, and if you don't open up your own Bible and study for yourself, I can tell you, even though I love our church and think we got some of the greatest people in the world, you can come in here, and we will train you in religion, and somebody will train you in rules. It is only as you open up the Word of God for yourself that you will be trained in righteousness. And may I tell you that righteousness does not just happen. Righteousness does not take place by accident. Righteousness comes only as you are trained in righteousness and it is not for me to make you righteous or anybody else to make you righteous other than Christ Jesus and the only way that you can learn what it means to be righteous is to be trained by his word we must be trained in righteousness I don't want you to be trained in religion religion kills I don't want you to be trained in rules there are rules you find them in Scripture. I couldn't get no help. But let Him train you in that, in righteousness through His Word. So, so if we want to be disciples, then we come to this conclusion. We must study. We must become devoted to His Word. We cannot be satisfied with simply listening to somebody else talk about His Word. We've got to open it up for ourselves and dig. Look at your neighbor and say, can you dig it? Oh, that's too old for you. So, okay. So, we got to know him. we got to be known by him. So, here's my, my last question. How much are you studying? How much? Notice I didn't ask you how long. Just give me, give me religion and rules, pastor. I just tell me, it's like, is it 15 minutes, 20 seconds, 19 milliseconds? Then I will be determined to be a disciple because I've studied long enough. I start the clock, I end the clock. How long? Tell me. How much should I study? I, I, I didn't ask you how long you studied. I said how much. So let me ask you another question. How much are you studying Facebook? How much are you studying Snapchat? How much is, how much is okay, you got really, oh, it's getting uncomfortable now. How, how, okay, so we get embarrassed by the amount of time that we're spending on things that don't really last Yet, we don't seem to have any embarrassment by the fact that when somebody says, how much are we studying? We can't even say, well, I'm studying this much or that much. I went through this book. I went through that book. I really... But we want to be called disciples. But we're not devoted. So let me help you this morning. You say, well, I'm a new Christian. I, I've only been saved for just a little while. What should I study? Let me, let me help you. If you're brand new, if you haven't been saved very long, you don't know where to start, start in John. 
John will give you a very clear revelation of who Jesus really is. Uh, he will tell you for himself who he really is. But now let me get to the rest of us. Those of us that have been saved all of our little lives. Like, you came out saved. I mean, you, you've been glowing in the dark ever since you got born. You've been so saved all your little life. But how much are you studying? Where should you read? What should, where, can I help you? Anywhere. Just start. Just pick it back up. Just go back and get your Bible and open it up again and actually look for yourself. I'm not encouraging you to start like in Lamentations. I'm not telling you to go read through Leviticus again. I'm just trying to encourage you to go back and read the Word so that you'll get a fresh and a new picture of who Jesus really is and you'll understand who you are. Just read. Just study. Don't rely on me. Don't rely on the guests I bring into this pulpit. Don't rely on the guys on TV. Don't rely on the guys on the radio. Go dig it out for yourself and see for yourself because that's what disciples do. We're fully devoted to what? His Word. If we are not fully devoted to His Word, we will be pulled astray and we will be led astray and we will be misled. We must become fully devoted to the Word. You know how I know if you're fully devoted? Whether you're studying it or not. That's how I know. It was, the, the determining factor is not this. This is not the test. Do I know whether Tari's fully devoted? And he goes, yes, because I, lead to, I listen to Steve Ely every Sunday morning. I know I'm fully devoted to the Word because I listen to Steve Ely. That's not the... He just made an F. Whether or not he is fully devoted to Christ is determined by whether he's devoted... To God's Word Himself. Boy, it is quiet up in here. Okay, I'm I'm done. I, I just want to challenge you. I know it's not this is not a sexy message. This is not like a romantic. This is not this is not deep. This is not ugh, this is basic stuff. But wouldn't we be better off? And wouldn't we be like the guys we're trying to mimic if we actually did what they do? So this is how we're going to end this morning. I want you to get your Bible out, whether that's on your phone. Come on, log off of Facebook just for a moment. I know some of y'all. Get your word out. Hold, got it? Got it? Everybody got it? Some of y'all old-fashioned got the thick one. Some of you got the electronic one. Don't matter as long as you got it. I give my dad a hard time all the time. He carries the big thick one. I got 150 versions on you right here, buddy. Okay, would you take that? And I want to challenge you this morning that together as a congregation, we make a new covenant, a new agreement that we will devote ourselves to His Word. I'm not asking you to spend six hours a day. It wouldn't hurt us, but I'm not asking you. I'm just asking you to study. What does that look like for you? I don't know. It may look different for me. But do something. Spend some time. In his word. You say, well, that's, that's no fun, man. I'd rather play on Facebook. Okay, let it start out as discipline. But let me tell you this morning, the Bible says that man doesn't live on bread alone. We live on every word that comes out of God's mouth. It's proceeding out of his mouth. That's the only way you're going to stay alive is if you read his word. So, so let start out, and it may start out as discipline, and you may have to say, ooh, I'm going to do this for this amount of time. This, ooh, every day. I mean, you've got to get up early. and You get up to work out. 
So work out. Get your word. Spend some time. Because what happens is this. It becomes the light. Because as you read it, you get a revelation of him. And as you read it, you get a revelation of yourself. And it changes your life. And all of a sudden, what used to be hard to do and what I didn't want to do, you discipline. The root word of disciple, discipline, the, the, the root word of discipline is disciple. You don't become a disciple unless you're disciplined. I discipline myself. Even when I beat my body into subjection, even when I don't want to do it, if I keep doing it, seven, is it seven, time, seven days, if you do something seven days in a row, it becomes a habit? 21? I'm, I'm an overachiever. It only takes me seven. Seven's the perfect number, not 21. I'm going to pray God speeds some stuff up in your life, man. No, I'm playing. So 21 days. If you would just read just a little, if you would just study just a little bit, 21 days. Man, there are plans for everything on, on Bible reading now. I mean, you can have a plan because you're a man. You can have a plan because you're a woman. You can have a plan because you like women. You can, you can have a plan because you drive a white car. You can have a plan. There's, so much, there's hundreds of plans. Just find something. And devote yourself once again to the Word of God. So that it'll change your life. So you got your Bible? Will you hold it up? Father, look at our word. This is our word. This is your word. This is life to us. This is, this is nourishment for us. This is what you provided for us. There are so many things that take place because of your word in our life. And Father, we, we repent this morning. It's not lack of access. We have access. That has nothing to do with it. In fact, Father, I'm concerned this morning. We repent because a lot of times familiarity breeds contempt. And we have so much access to your word that we take it for granted. God, help us not to take your word for granted. Help us to study it, to digest it to take it into our life so that it will change us and shape us and give us a clear revelation of who you are. Father, I pray that as we open up your word on a daily basis, even if it's just for a few moments, I pray that as we do that, you would clearly speak about who you are. We would get a crystal clear drawing, an image, a concept, an understand, perspective of who you really are. I pray that as we read your word, we would become familiar with your voice so that as your sheep, we could not be led astray. I pray that we would hear your word speak through the word. I pray that we would become disciplined. I pray that as we read your word, you would reveal us. Show us the shortcomings in our life. Show, show us the areas of our life where we're not like our rabbi. God, I pray that you would reveal, shine a, spot, a spotlight on me as I read your word. I pray that you would let it do its job. It would go deep into my heart and it would divide my attitudes and my thoughts and my, my feelings. And it would cause me to have to obey you. To get a clear understanding of who you are. Father, together this morning as a congregation, we make a covenant that we will become people of your word. We will become people of your word. We will, we will not be satisfied with merely listening to your word week after week, but we will do our part as disciples. We will become fully devoted to your word so that we will, we will not wait on somebody to spoon feed us. We will feed ourselves. We will open up your word and we will study to show that we've been approved and we will learn to handle your word efficiently and accurately as we study. So, Father, I pray that you would put that desire in us 
And God, even if we have to start in the area of discipline and it's no fun at all, I pray that as we begin that process, some of us for the first time in a long time, as we begin that process, I pray that at some point in that it would become the delight of our life and we would love getting to know you and spending time with you in your word to find out what you've got to say. I ask you would accomplish this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, we got to get into his word. we got to get into his word. we got to get into his word. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.